It is Wednesday, November 25th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. My little brother Pete's birthday. Welcome to our Week 12 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Small. And Jared, it's a bit of a condensed week here with Thanksgiving. We got three games on Thursday. We're trying to limit the time that we spend working on the holiday itself. So not going to be hitting every game today like we usually do for the Preview Podcast. But rather, we're going to focus in on some of the decisions that you'll need to make for your lineups this week. Some streaming options. Really, I think, Jared, it's the point in the season when you should be making fewer decisions anyway you shouldn't really be reaching too far for sleepers right yeah i think we should just feel more confident with our decisions because we have more you know information at this point about the players and the defenses they're facing by the way it's my brother's birthday too i'm sure we've uh talked about that before but uh happy birthday to my brother jordy i don't know if we have talked about that before which shows how self-centered we are during football season <laughs> i'm sure at some point you said oh it's my brother's birthday and i've said oh it's my brother's birthday <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the first time we've been recording on the 25th, though. So either way, it's nice we got the shout out to both brothers on this podcast, even though we're not going through the entire slate. We are going to go position by position today. We're going to talk about some situations to know, some spots to monitor, because, I mean, it is still it's the beginning of the practice week for most teams right now, those that aren't playing on Thursday. So lots still to watch happen as practices happen, as injury reports come out. Um, we'll look at who might help or harm your lineup this week and probably disagree on a few players along the way. Let's start at QB, Jared. And I think the first question before we get to streaming options is, how should we feel about Tom Brady after watching him struggle through that loss to the Rams? Yeah, I mean, it was his second ugly game among the past three, if you throw in that Saints loss. We talked about it on last week's podcast, too, about, you know, if we were worried about the primetime thing with Brady because he's really – been bad in primetime games this season. So maybe if you think that was the problem, then you feel better about him this coming week. Um, I don't know. This is the second straight season where we've seen his play really tail off over the second half of the year. Um, he's now averaging 5.8 adjusted yards per attempt in in November. Uh, for perspective, that'd be 31st among 35 quarterbacks on the season. So you know he, he just hasn't been playing well. Um, this matchup against Kansas City this coming week, Definitely not not as tough as the Rams, um, and I think you can hope it turns into a shootout. You hope the Bucks fall behind and Brady has to chuck it. Um, but I mean, we've we've talked before. We've said all season that Kansas City is not a bad pass defense. Football Outsiders has them tenth in pass D. They're twelfth in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. The other thing about Kansas City too is teams try to run on them because we know their run defense is so much worse than their pass defense. The Chiefs have faced the eighth most running back carries, but they've also faced the eighth fewest quarterback pass attempts so you know that, that's why I, I sort of expect and I think it'd be smart for the Bucks to at least start out run heavier in this matchup for as long as they you know keep the game close I think there's still a little bit of recency bias in judging Tom Brady too harshly heading into this week he's really only had three bad outings this season I mean you could say that that week one against New Orleans was a bad one that's also against the opponent that he that he just struggled against in week nine uh, but otherwise, week five at Chicago, week nine against New Orleans, week 11 at the Rams, you can point to primetime and we'll see. Maybe that's the case. It's also only three games. He was OK in the game against the Giants. It was also in primetime. But the one like important common thread among those opponents, I think, is that they're all good defenses. They are Chicago's third and pass defense DVOA. The Rams are the Saints are fifth. The Rams are seventh. They're all top eight 
in overall defense. And even last week, I mean, Tom Brady had a bad game for him. He still finished QB 19. He was barely behind Lamar Jackson, who struggled through a much better matchup. He was way ahead of Matt Ryan, who way underperformed what we expected. Matthew Stafford had a bad game against the Panthers. So, I mean, it's annoying and it's, it's troubling that he's had two really bad outings among the past three games, but he also sandwiched a 35 point fantasy day against Carolina in between those saints and Rams games. So I'm not overly worried about Tom Brady at this point. Even if the strain of a of an of an NFL season is getting to him now that he's what 43, is he he still has the best set of wide receivers in the league. So I think there's enough that he can just be okay performance wise the rest of the way and still be fine for our fantasy teams. Yeah, I'm with you there that the the wide receivers can prop him up, like you said. He he played very poorly this past week and still had a decent fantasy outing. I do think this week though there are quite quite a few solid, you know, spot start options, guys that could be available in your league. So I think it's easier to bench Brady this week because of that. Yeah, and I think that it's I think it's more sensible to consider benching Brady this week because we have seen the two rough outings. And because, as you said, this defense is not a pushover. I don't think the Chiefs are a defense to avoid, but it's also not a defense to attack with your quarterback. And, you know, considering the recent play, I think it's a sensible decision. So we'll, we'll kind of compare Tom Brady to some of the other quarterbacks we're considering um, moving forward. I did see, though, that the Chiefs at least defend – they seem to defend the deep pass tougher than the shorter passing range, according to DVOA. Number two in that category in deep pass defense. Number 22 versus shorter passing. That should at least favor the Bucs. Tom Brady does not throw deep well. It's never been his strongest thing, and it's been weaker lately. Uh, Certainly, especially lately this year, he's on a bad streak of uh, downfield throws. But I think that – Makes sense when you look at the Chiefs being better in that area because they're better in the secondary than they are at linebacker, not particularly strong in the pass rush. So we could at least see Tom Brady um, produce in that short to mid range and not need to go deep, which is out outside of his comfort zone at this point. Yep, that's a good point. And um, you know, beyond this week, Brady gets a week thirteen bye, which I think will be you know good for a forty three year old quarterback. And then he gets um, then he's home from Minnesota at Atlanta and at Detroit the next three weeks. So a really nice schedule, you know, weather should not be a concern with one home game and then two dome games. Um, so I, I still think Brady, you know, again, even if he's not playing well, has a chance to be, you know, a top 12 quarterback from week 14 to 16. Yeah. Let's hope he's at least decent this week. And then we can feel pretty good about him over the final three fantasy weeks. Um, on to the other options here. Um, there are some streaming options, as you mentioned, and it's going to start with the guy who just had his second good game against the Chiefs last week, Derek Carr. Really, the only question with Derek Carr is how much the Raiders are going to let him throw it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, man, how, how good was Carr in that Chiefs game? You know, he was he, he played you know throw for throw with Patrick Mahomes. Um, he was PFF's top graded quarterback last week. He's seventh in PFF passing grades on the season, so he, he's been playing well all season. Like you said, the only issue has been volume. Uh, his only four games this season with fewer than 22 fantasy points were when he threw it 30 or fewer times. Now, I, you know, I think Atlanta, one, I think they can score enough to force the Raiders to, you know, keep throwing. And two, the, the Falcons are much tougher against the run than the pass. They've been the way all season. Football Outsiders has them 10th in run defense, 26th in pass defense. I think that pushes Carr to throw a bit more, too. So I, I feel really good about Carr. You know, he, he's a guy I would easily start over Tom Brady this week. 
And I think the floor is nicer here in that even if he only throws 26 times, the Falcons are bad enough in the secondary that he could, you know, go for 200 yards and two touchdowns on 26 attempts. And that's not going to, that's not going to win you a week, but it's also not going to lose you a week where it's letting you down. I I found the same thing. If you look back at Carr's season so far, every time he's attempted at least 31 throws, he has topped 20 fantasy points. Yeah. There were the 30 attempts back in the opener against Carolina where he played a good game there. He just had the one touchdown because Josh Jacobs ran it in three times. So it's not that 30 to 31 is a magical number. It's that otherwise, before the Chiefs game, he attempted 24, 23, 25 passes. I mean, there's only so much you can do unless you just have an excellent passing day on that kind of passing volume. So I agree. I think we'll see a bit more passing volume here. And again, the floor is higher because of the matchup. So I think it's worth the minimal volume risk. Yeah, it's always nice to have a quarterback playing indoors this time of year, though. It looks like early on that the weather won't be an issue around the league this week. The next guy, of course, is Week 11 breakout, Taysom Hill. Obviously, it's tough to imagine Taysom Hill's starting debut going much better than it did last week, including the longest completion by a Saints quarterback since, what, 2018, I believe it was? <laughs> yeah, and it was like a, it almost looked like a punt, that long throw to Emmanuel Sanders. So, I mean, things obviously went as well as they could last week. What do you expect for Taysom Hill this week? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I was I was surprised watching the game. You know, as someone who was heavily invested in Hill in DFS, um, I was kind of frustrated how Sean Payton was using him. It, it, it's almost like they didn't change the game plan. They were using Payton, or they were using Hill like they were using Drew Brees. Just a lot of straight dropbacks. There weren't a whole lot of designed runs. Now, you know, later on, there were some more designed runs, especially near the goal line. Hill still ended up with 51 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. You know, that got him there in fantasy. Um, the other surprise, too, though, is how good he looked as a passer. Completed 18 of 23 passes, 233 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions either. Um, PFF had him as the sixth best passer on the week based on their grade. So that that's encouraging. It was home for Atlanta. You know, again, about the best spot you can ask for. Tougher task here in Denver. You know, Denver has been a decent pasty this season. Um, but I still think Hill's rushing projection even if it's maybe not quite as high as at least I thought it was going to be you know heading into last week I still think we can count on him for you know 10 or so carries some goal line opportunities so I still like Hill as a top 12 quarterback play this week we were all surprised Friday to find out Taysom Hill was going to start a quarterback for the Saints but I was kicking myself for letting it be such a big surprise because really Sean Payton's always said that he thought Taysom Hill could be a quarterback and the contract says that they believe Taysom Hill can play quarterback. So even if we expected Jameis Winston to play, we should have at least been, I think, more open to the possibility that Taysom Hill would start that game. You know, it's hindsight at this point, but I think that's a spot to, I don't know, maybe keep in mind going forward. Yeah. Um, I think we probably should also have expected it to be more like it was on offense, because if they did have to completely change everything, then I don't, I don't think it would make a whole lot of sense to go to Taysom Hill at quarterback. Now, I think the big difference this, well, two key differences this week. One, the next opponent has now seen Taysom Hill play a game at quarterback, which had not been the case for anybody else since he was at BYU many moons ago. Um, the other thing is Denver is much better. Denver's not a scary defense, but it's way better than Atlanta. Number nine overall in defensive DVOA, eighth against the pass. Atlanta's 21st overall, 26th against the pass. Denver is is much stronger on the edges than Atlanta is. Um, it's much stronger in the secondary than Atlanta is. So obviously Taysom Hill has showed us the upside and maybe the floor is good if he's going to rush for 50 plus yards a week. I don't, I don't know yet if that's going to happen, but if he has that kind of rushing ability and production, then that certainly raises the floor. 
I'd be a little bit more apprehensive this week. I think there are probably a couple of guys, at least in our rankings that are behind Taysom Hill right now that I would feel more comfortable playing, including the next guy on this QB list. So the Denver has also has pressured. um, Oh, actually Taysom Hill saw pressure on 40% of his dropbacks last week, which was seventh highest among all QBs. So maybe an area where he might be a little bit more in jeopardy this week than it might seem from the results last week. So, you know, again, I'm just a little bit more apprehensive than resting on what he did his first time out. Yeah. I mean, I, he's definitely going to find passing tougher in Denver than than he did at home against Atlanta. Um, but again, I, I think the rushing just gives him such a nice floor. The Broncos, by the way, allowed 76 rushing yards and a score to Cam Newton earlier this season. I think, you know, Newton is, you know, the best comparison for Taysom Hill in the NFL right now. Yeah, I was going to say, Taysom Hill is very much like Cam Newton at this point in his outlook. If he doesn't score those two rushing touchdowns on the ground or, you know, just scores one, that's certainly going to drastically alter his um, fantasy production. Yep. Philip Rivers is the next QB on the streaming list. Four games over 19 fantasy points among his past five. Three games of three touchdown passes over that span. He's on a good run. Yeah, top 13 fantasy quarterback in four of his last five games now. Top nine in three of those games, including last week. He was quarterback 13 against Tennessee, who he plays this week just a couple weeks ago. That came despite throwing just one touchdown. Uh, Rivers had 308 passing yards on a 74% completion rate. 7.9 yards per attempt. That was that Thursday night game. You know, Titans really just, they they didn't stop the Colts offense at any point. The Colts had some trouble in the red zone. That was about it. So I think Rivers is in another good spot here. Um, You know, like I don't think he has as much upside as Taysom Hill, but I think he might be safer because again, I I think he's going to have success through the air here. Yeah, I think he's a floor play. I'd feel a little bit better about playing Phillip Rivers in this matchup. And a couple of reasons. I mean, the the matchup's good, um, but also the running game has has not been something that we could count on. So I think there's a little bit more chance that the Colts need Phillip Rivers to do his thing this week. So Phillip Rivers, not only a, a solid streaming option this week, but then next week there's Houston, then Vegas, then Houston again. I would avoid Phillip Rivers for week 16 at Pittsburgh. But then if you play through week 17, there's the second matchup with Jacksonville. So Phillip Rivers, not only a streaming option this week, but could be a platoon quarterback for you the rest of the way. Definitely. And, you know, Houston, Vegas, Houston, those will be three indoor games too. So that's nice. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones the last guy on the streaming list the highest PFF passing grade of his season still sits way back in week one and that kind of surprisingly good game for him against Pittsburgh the next best grade came his last time out against the Eagles and the next two best grades also have come within the past four games so Daniel Jones has been looking up lately and this week gets a terrific matchup against Cincinnati yeah, and I think the rushing production is what has been you know biggest for his fantasy value um Jones has been a top 13 fantasy quarterback now in three of his last four games. He's averaged 51 rushing yards over that span. Now he's only averaged 5.8 carries per game. So he's averaging 8.8 yards per carry over those last five games. You know, he, he's had a couple long runs. So that, that's going to regress a bit. You know, I don't think, you know, we're not projecting 50 rushing yards from him this week, but I do think 20 to 30 is about what, what you should expect. And then, yeah, the passing matchup is good too against the Bengals. I do think, the Bengals losing Joe Burrow hurts the ceiling on Daniel Jones because th- this is probably just going to be a low-scoring game. The Giants can probably go kind of run heavy because the Bengals probably aren't going to score a whole lot. So I think it hurts the ceiling, but I think Jones is a you know a pretty nice floor play because of that rushing and because he should be you know more efficient than usual against that Bengals pass defense. 
Yeah, I'm not altering my outlook for Daniel Jones on Joe Burrow missing because the, the Giants only have so much in the backfield. I think they'll run some, but I don't think we're going to see 30 Wayne Gallman and uh, Deion Lewis and Alfred Morris runs this week. So a nice spot and, and similar to Phillip Rivers after the Cincinnati game this week, we've got Seattle, we've got Arizona, we've got Cleveland. There's at Baltimore in week 16 where you're certainly not playing Daniel Jones. And then week 17, if you're playing at that point, the Cowboys. So Daniel Jones a solid option for this week and somebody who could help your fantasy team more than you would have guessed the rest of the way. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, uh, by extension, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both look like, you know, weekly fantasy starters for the next month now. Yeah. I would start each of those guys fairly easily this week. Yeah, me too. The final question to quarterback for us is what to do with Carson Wentz. And the only reason it's really a question is because he's playing the league's second best scoring matchup for QBs this week, Seattle. So Jared, what are you doing with Carson Wentz this week? Yeah. I mean, he checks in outside our top 12 quarterbacks for the week, which is really, you know, says a lot about how Wentz is playing because still Kirk Cousins, the only quarterback to not finish top 12 against Seattle. If you combine the 49ers, quarterback numbers in that uh, Garoppolo Mullins game. So anyway, it's been a money matchup in fantasy all season. Um, you know, Wentz has faced three other bottom 10 quarterback defenses, the Bengals. He finished quarterback 11 that week, but then the Cowboys, he finished quarterback 22 and then Cleveland last week, he finished quarterback 16. Now last week was crappy weather. I think that had at least something to do with Wentz's play, but you know, he, he hasn't really cashed in on these plus matchups this season. So yeah, I I feel fine about having Wentz outside our top twelve quarterbacks. He is an option at some point because of the matchup, but I'd start guys like Derek Carr and Phillip Rivers over Wentz pretty comfortably. Yeah, I would start all the guys that we've mentioned so far over Carson Wentz this week, including Tom Brady. Carson, Carson Wentz is just bad. I mean, if we're worried about the way that Tom Brady's been playing, I think you have to worry about the way that Carson Wentz yeah. has been playing. He's was awful last week against Cleveland. Uh, he was awful in that Dallas game that you mentioned. And the Seahawks have not been pushovers, at least the past two weeks. They're not a, a good defense, but um, Jared Goff did hit 300 yards passing, did not throw any touchdowns. He fe- he finished outside the top 12 in his matchup with Seattle. So, you know, it's even possible to have a decent passing day and not have a good fantasy day against them. And then last week, Kyler Murray, granted he hurt his shoulder, but he scored below what we've come to expect from Kyler Murray this week. So hasn't been quite the pushover matchup. The Seahawks are rushing the passer a little bit better now. Three plus sacks in four straight games. They added Carlos Dunlap a few games ago. That seems to be helping the pass rush. And of course, the Eagles have been the most susceptible team in the league in that area. So I think that's an area that could give them fits this week. You know, could Carson Wentz finish quarterback six? Yeah, he certainly could in this matchup. But he could also finish quarterback 26 just because he's not doing anything particularly well right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely worried about Carson Wentz at least as much, if not more than I'm worried about Tom Brady. I think I lean Wentz just because of the matchup. I still think, you know, this is a top three quarterback matchup. By the way, did you see football outsiders has um, DVOA by week now for every team? I did. Yeah. So I, I was looking at Seattle and, you know, they, they've still been grading poorly against the pass over the past few games. Yeah. So has Carson Wentz. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else at quarterback? Nope. Running backs. Let's get to that Colts backfield that will be lining up behind Phillip Rivers first. And Naheem Hines came off that big game against Tennessee last time. And then his playing time went right back down against the Packers last week. Six carries, two yards, four targets. Caught three of them for 31. Jonathan Taylor popped back up. Yeah, I mean, to to me, that was the best Taylor has looked all season. Um, The PFF grades agree. Uh, Taylor got his best overall and run grades of the season from PFF. Um, so 
that's encouraging. You know, maybe he's kind of figured it out here. And the, this matchup here is good. I mean, we we just saw Taylor struggle against Tennessee two weeks ago, but Titans are 18th in football outside of the run defense DVOA. They're 30th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. And, you know, T- Taylor, st- he's still the first guy in every game. So like, he has the chance to establish himself. If he gets off to a good start in this game, you know, he will be the lead back and he'll get 15 plus carries. Yeah, we're all guessing on the Colts running backs. That's the nature of a hot hand situation, because as you said, Taylor's the first guy in. So, you know, we could say he's the first guy into fantasy lineups if they have a similar start uh, as they did last time against Tennessee. And the Heem Hines comes in and does some good things. There's certainly the chance they go back to him. But, you know, I guess we got to go with the guy who is the starter, who is coming off a good game. I agree. He looked really good against the Packers. And this is another positive matchup. So, Taylor into lineups first. We'll hope that his hand is hot in this game. Yep. Bucks backfield with Tom Brady in that Kansas City game. Um, I know that we want them to run the ball a lot. They're 37% run on the season, so we'll have to see how much, and it might depend on how successful they are early. Jared, how are you treating the Bucks backfield for this week? Yeah, so again, you know, the Chiefs 30th in football outsiders run D. DVOA, they're they're tenth against the pass. Chiefs allowing four point five yards per carry. So if I'm you know, if I'm Bruce Arians, I'm coming out trying to run the ball here. But you know, and you, you keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes too. That's the other benefit of running the ball, slow the game down a bit. Ronald Jones is still kind of like the Jonathan Taylor in in Tampa, where he's he's the first guy in there. He's their lead back when there's you know neutral or positive game script for the box. But Leonard Fournette, as we saw. Uh, this past week against the Rams, he's still like to come from behind back. Fournette outsnapped Ronald Jones 36 to 25 last week. Fournette ran 26 pass routes to just 12 for Ronald Jones. So, you know, if you expect the Chiefs to be playing with the lead here, which I, I would expect, um, you know, we could talk about the Bucks' pass defense, but that's been disappointing lately. So I, I do think the Chiefs are going to put up plenty of points. So, you know, it's tough because I think Jones should have success when he's in there, but I also think there's a chance, you know, he's kind of yanked, especially in the second half for Leonard Fournette. We'll see whether Leonard Fournette dropping a couple passes last week helps Ronald Jones at all. But, I mean, Ronald Jones hasn't been punished for his fumbles or drops, so it doesn't seem like something that's going to punish him. I think there's room here to play both of these guys. If I have both of them and I'm deciding between them, I got to go Jones first because he is the starter, because it's clear that Bruce Arians wants to keep him running the ball. And, I I mean, I think there's a decent chance that Ronald Jones rushes at least 14 times in this game. If he gets successful – or, you know, they do take a lead. Maybe there's upside beyond that. But I, I would play Ronald Jones first. I would play Fournette second because his role is a little bit more kind of malleable and uncertain. Yeah. But again, I think in this matchup, there's room for both of these guys to get enough touches to be at least usable. Yeah, maybe there. It would definitely be Jones for me and not PPR. And in PPR, it would be, you know, basically a toss up between the two. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins backfield looks like we are or we're trending toward getting Miles Gaskin back for this game. He's been designated to return from IR this week. Practice Wednesday in a non-contact jersey. They'll still have to actually activate him from IR to play in the game. So we'll watch to see if that happens. But uh, Jared, what do you see for this backfield heading forward? Yeah, I, honestly, I don't know. Like, I don't have any like um, any notes here or anything. I just it's going to be interesting to see because we've talked about it. Seems like Miami prefers having a clear lead back. It was Miles Gaskin for much of the season before he went down. And then it's been Salvan Ahmed over the past few weeks now. So I'm curious to see, you know, I think it's going to be a, a shaky situation if Gaskin's back this week, unless we hear from the coaching staff, what their plans are. The matchup's obviously good against the Jets who are 28th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. 
Yeah, that Jets matchup is really the only reason that we care about this. I mean, otherwise, we'd be like, whatever, we'll see what happens this week, and then we'll use a Dolphins running back next week. But it's the Jets, so at least one of these guys is probably going to score in this game. I mean, I hope that we get some kind of indication before the game on Sunday as to how things are going to be split, who's going to be the starter, whatever, any kind of indication. Short of that, I would guess that we'd have to go with Gaskin because he was the lead back. And, and Salvin Ahmed was available at that point. So, I mean, it's not like yeah. uh, this is a new guy who's playing well. It's somebody who stepped in after Gaskin went down and Gaskin was getting the dominating share of the workload before. So, you know, if we have to guess, that's the way I would lean. I hope that we don't have to guess because who really knows for sure. We're also going to have to watch the reports on just how healthy Gaskin is because if he stays limited and they say, you know, he, he's back, but we're going to ease him in. You know, that's the kind of thing where we worry and maybe go with the guy that's been there the past couple of weeks. Yeah, exactly. I, my guess, too, would be that a healthy Gaskin steps back in as the lead guy here. Though, it, you know, it's it's not like they have a big investment in Miles Gaskin. It's not like Gaskin played that well earlier this season either. He was just a good fantasy play because of the volume he was getting. So we're, we're going to have to see. Um, and, you know, it's not, it's not even a guarantee that Gaskin is back this week. You know, he's just eligible to come back. So if, if he's out, I think Ahmed is, you know, someone you can count on as an RB2 because of the volume and because of the matchup. It'd be nice if there was anything pointing to either of these guys. If one of them was making more money, if he was a high draft pick, right. if he was that productive, anything. But there's absolutely nothing other than one of these guys was getting a lot of work before the other guy was getting a lot of work while the other one was hurt. Yep, that's right. A sneaky starter at running back before we move on to another position. Jared, who should people be looking to put in their lineups? Yeah, we mentioned Wayne Gallman. You know, yeah, he's not going to get 30 carries, but he's averaged 14.7 carries over his last three games since Devontae Freeman has been out. Freeman's going to remain out for this game. Gallman scored four touchdowns over those three games. He only has five total targets. That's kind of the knock against him. He's still losing pass catching stuff to Deion Lewis, but, you know, the, the Giants are five and a half point favorites this week. We, you know, won't be able to say that again for the rest of the season, I don't think. Um, they have a 24 point implied total. Bengals 23rd in football outsiders run defense DBA. So it really sets up as a nice spot for Wayne Gallman. I think you know, he's I'd feel good starting him in season long leagues. And I think he's probably someone to consider in DFS this week. Yeah, I'd play him over both of those Dolphins running backs that we just talked about. I'd play him over all of those Colts running backs, probably. I mean, I guess I would have to think a little bit harder about Wayne Gallman versus Jonathan Taylor, but Wayne Gallman's the safer bet for touches. He's not getting the targets. So, I mean, it's definitely more of a non-PPR thing than PPR. But you mentioned touchdowns now in four straight games, including that game where Devontae Freeman went down, which was the, the first meeting against the Eagles. He caught five balls in that game, so he can catch the football. They're not giving it to him lately, so we can't really factor that in. But I agree, the matchup's good. 30th and overall defensive DVOA are the Bengals. So and we mentioned that the offense, too, not just Daniel Jones, but the offense in general has gone better in recent weeks. So that certainly helps the running back. I agree with him being a pretty solid start. And again, somebody that I'm playing over the other running backs we've talked about here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Gallman definitely safer than Jonathan Taylor. Um, I don't know. I still might bite on Jonathan Taylor's upside if I'm making that decision. Yeah, one that I would have to ponder a little bit longer before making the decision on Sunday. Right. Over at wide receiver, the first question here is the other side of that Giants game because the Bengals just lost Joe Burrow for the season. We'll see how far into next season they might lose him for. But for now, we have to wonder, are Bengals wide receivers dead? And Jared, are you holding the funeral? <laughs> Unfortunately, because I have a lot of Tyler Boyd. I have a lot of T. Higgins. I think Boyd is a guy who might – survive just as a guy who runs like the higher 
you know, completion percentage, shorter type routes. And especially this week too, Boyd gets the slap matchup against Darnay Holmes where, you know, T Higgins and James or T Higgins and AJ Green will have to be dealing with James Bradbury. So I'm, I'm benching uh, Higgins and definitely Green this week. I think Boyd's still like a wide receiver three in PPR, but I, I don't expect it to be pretty. Yeah, I'm I'm still playing Tyler Boyd. I, I'm tearful as I put any Bengals receiver in a lineup, but Tyler Boyd more of a wide receiver three now than a wide receiver two that I think he would be. I'm sitting T. Higgins. I would prefer not to drop T. Higgins in this first game after Joe Burrow goes down. I've seen some questions about whether to do that. There are certainly spots where you can. Like we had one customer who is dropping T. Higgins to get J.K. Dobbins, and I'm fine with that because Dobbins has as much upside really as anybody that you're finding on the waiver wire at this point in the season. But short of that, I mean, I'm not dropping T. Higgins to get Demir Bird right now because I'd rather see what happens with T. Higgins with the new quarterback. The wide receivers are probably at least in better shape with Brandon Allen than with Ryan Finley. I mean, the Bengals have indicated that much to us by naming Brandon Allen the starter right away, even though Ryan Finley has been the backup throughout to this point. Brandon Allen started three games for Denver last year, so we haven't seen that much of him yet. But Cortland Sutton went five for 56 and a touchdown, five for 113 in the first two starts. Noah Fant went three for 115 and a touchdown, four for 60. Um, Tim Patrick had a four catch, 77 yard game. The third Brandon Allen start was just an awful outing for everybody on the Denver side against Buffalo. Brandon Allen's okay. He's decently mobile. He's got a decent arm, uh, just an okay matchup against the Giants. So again, certainly not a big help, but maybe at least less of a fall than Ryan Finley would have presented. Yeah, th- those Sutton numbers with Allen are, I think, what you can cling to if you're a T. Higgins owner. Like, maybe just Allen prefers those, you know, big perimeter wide receivers. So, yeah, I-, I definitely would not drop T. Higgins, and, you know, we'll just see what the offense looks like with Allen and what the target distribution looks like. Uh, let's turn this wide receiver talk around now and answer a question from YouTube where Reed Faldi is wondering, Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson this week, Jared? Who's your favorite between Calvin Ridley or Justin Jefferson? Yeah, Ridley for me, especially if Julio Jones is out, which I'm kind of expecting to be the case. I think you know if, if that's the case, Ridley's a lock for double-digit targets. But even if Julio's back, um, I do prefer Ridley over Jefferson. I agree with that. Both good players. Both are going to be starters most weeks. Ridley first because he's just a better bet for targets. Jefferson, you know, is producing, but he could easily see five targets um, if Minnesota controls that game. And I, I think they're the better team over Carolina this week. Me too. All right. So back to our wide receiver talk, starting Eagles wide receivers against the Seahawks this week. We already talked about how Carson Wentz is outside the top 12. What are you doing with his wideouts? Yeah, I'm starting Jalen Rager and Travis Fulgham. Um, kind of tough to separate the two at, at this point. Uh, you know, they're they're both basically full time players. They're clear top two in routes. Um, you know, Alshon Jeffery's been back, but you know, he's he's not playing much. Um, over the last three games, it's been 19 targets for Travis Fulgham to 18 for Jalen Rager. So I think they're both upside wide receiver threes against you know the Seahawks, who are still the best matchup for wide receivers. Yeah, I would. I would put them in a similar range with Tyler Boyd at this point. I would start Tyler Boyd ahead of them in PPR, but it's really um, fairly close at this point. As you mentioned, Travis Fulgham has not done anything for you the past two weeks, but the targets have been there. He caught just one of seven targets against Cleveland on Sunday. It's Carson Wentz not throwing the ball well. 
The offense is not designing things well. So, I mean, these guys should be fairly easy. Well, uh, Travis Fulgham, at least, should be a fairly easy start this week. Jalen Rager, we're still trying to get a read on because he just hasn't been around for that much yet. So we'll see about the usage. But just how poorly the offense is performing at this point is what even puts it in question. So I agree that they're both kind of together, low in wide receiver three territory with significant upside if they do get opportunities. Yep, exactly. Jarvis Landry was on the other side of that game of Philadelphia, did not do a whole lot uh, despite the Browns' victory. What are you doing with Jarvis Landry going forward? Yeah, I'm sticking with him as, you know, at least a wide receiver three, at least for this week. I haven't even looked at the schedule beyond this week for Cleveland. But, I mean, we, we had another weather game for the Browns last week. It wasn't as much wind, but it was, you know, rainy and sloppy. Baker Mayfield has exactly 12 completions in each of those last three games. He's averaged – 22 pass attempts in those three games so it's just it just has barely been possible for Landry to you know produce good fantasy numbers he has a 27 percent target share in those games though so you know if you get Baker up to you know 30 passes even you're talking eight nine targets for Jarvis Landry I think you know that's what we should expect this week and he gets a plus matchup against the Jags you know, already a bad defense now they're missing a couple corners in CJ Henderson and DJ Hayden uh, defensive end Josh Allen is out even their their defensive coordinator is even out for this game because of COVID issues so they're going to have a new play caller on defense so it's a, a nice spot for the Browns offense. I think Landry's in play, but I would start the Eagles wide receivers over him for upside. The target share has been good for Jarvis Landry overall outside of the Philly game, of course. We only saw two of them. But the the problem is volume. And Baker Mayfield has reached 30 pass attempts just three times all year. The last time was in week five. He's averaging 26 and a half attempts per game. Even if you give Jarvis Landry 25% of those, that's outside the top 30 wide receivers and targets. And Jarvis Landry is a volume guy. He needs the volume to produce. I agree that Landry's in play this week, but he would be a low wide receiver three, like bottom of the wide receiver three area for me. Beyond this, I mean, there's the Jaguars game, then the Giants week 15, Jets in week 16. Those are three games where they should be uh, favored. And I would imagine control the action and thus keep their passing volume down. Otherwise, their matchup with matchups with Tennessee and Baltimore. Baltimore is the only one that's actually a bad rushing matchup the rest of the way on their schedule. So I guess that's probably the best bet for more passing volume. We'll see about that Tennessee game. Might depend on game flow and how successful the rushing is. I think Landry is rosterable, and again, I think he's uh, okay for this week. But I would not expect a big turnaround, and he's definitely not a must hold for me at this point. Yeah, I'm definitely more optimistic than you are, and I just think. Those last three Browns games, you really can't take hardly anything from them just because of the weather. Denzel Mims is the last wide receiver on our list. And Jared, why don't you tell me why he's on our list at all? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Denzel Mims, I don't want to say he's going to have like a weak winning performance down the stretch here, but I think he's going to have a big game or two down the stretch. You know, he, He's getting awesome usage. And yeah, it's the Jets. He's going to be less efficient than average because of that. But like last week, Mims had six targets of 20 plus yards last week. He got three of them for 71 yards. He also drew a long pass interference penalty. He drew another five yard illegal contact penalty. So he played better than the final numbers would suggest. Um, You know, he now has seven plus targets in three of of his four games. Um, He's sixth among all wide receivers in air yards over those four weeks. And I think the, the biggest thing here, I mean, Mims, it's a pretty tough matchup this week against Miami. You know, he's a perimeter wide receiver. Miami has two tough perimeter cornerbacks but after that Mims gets the Raiders and then the Seahawks I I think he's going to be a wide receiver three play with upside those two weeks 
I can see that. He does only have eight total deep targets on the season, so I, I think last week kind of skews the role a little bit. But we know that Joe Flacco does like to throw downfield. We know that Denzel Mims has that skill set. And overall, as you said, seven-plus targets in three of his four games, so you like that usage. I agree with trying not to use Mims against the Dolphins. We kind of hope for a solid game there and the kind of game that tells us we can use him as a wide receiver three for those matchups with the Raiders and Seahawks. We'll also see about Sam Darnold yeah. who is practicing on a limited basis this week. And I guess kind of see what Sam Darnold means for Denzel Mims upon his return. Yeah. Mims played two games with Darnold earlier this season. He got seven targets in the first, the other one, he only got three targets. That was, you know, the one game so far where he hasn't hit seven targets, but I mean, I, I can't, sit here and say that, you know, going from Joe Flacco to Sam Darnold is bad news for Denzel Mims. Yeah, right. I mean, if we were talking about that, then maybe we shouldn't be considering Denzel Mims. So we'll kind of see what it does. Over to tight end and another Brown. And I agree a little bit more with sticking with this guy, Austin Hooper, five targets against Philly, not huge, but it's 22.7% of what Baker Mayfield threw in that game. And Five targets is a lot more palatable at tight end than it is at wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. It's just the same argument as Jarvis Landry. Like, Hooper has seven total targets in his two games back from that appendectomy, which you know, seems crappy at first glance. But that's a 17% target share. Like, if he keeps getting 17% of the Browns' targets, he's going to be in the tight end one mix. And, again, it's a good spot for the Browns' offense, you know, the Jags, in the bottom half of the league against tight ends. Hooper's routes were down a little bit against Philly, um, especially, and his pass blocking reps were actually up versus the game against Houston the week before in week 10. But I would, I would guess that that swings back the other way this week against Jacksonville. The Jaguars have absolutely no real pass rush threat and their top pass rusher, Josh Allen is going to be out for this game and, and at least several more beyond that. So uh, it's a good matchup for everybody on offense. I think if it's close between a Brown and somebody else, it makes sense to play a Brown in this game because they should be able to do whatever they want. Agreed. Next up at tight end is Jimmy Graham, who has been more reliable for fantasy owners than we probably expected this season, but now there's a reason to worry a little bit about him. Yeah, I feel like we've been pumping up Jimmy Graham most of the season, and it's worked out for most of the season. He's you know he's been better than expected, but I would try to bench him this week. So the the Bears last game before the bye, Graham ran a pass route on just 44 percent of the dropbacks. That was a season low for him. It was fewer than Cole Komet, uh, Chicago's rookie tight end, who ran a route on 53 percent of the dropbacks. So you know what we'll see now what happens coming out of the bye week. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears expanded Komet's role even further during the bye week. Um, pretty tough matchup for Graham, too. Uh, Football Outsiders has Green Bay 12th in tight end coverage and their third in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens with Jimmy Graham this week because I think there was also a chance that it was just a matchup thing because Minnesota plays tight ends fairly tough. Maybe they wanted more blocking from Cole Komet in that game. I, we'll see. I'll be curious. I, I'm not saying that I'm assuming it's one way or the other, but I, I will be curious to see what changes, whether things go back to the way they were for Jimmy Graham, or if that's just the beginning of a trend toward Cole Komet down the stretch. Certainly either way, I agree with trying not to play Jimmy Graham in this game. Cause I mean, the, the upside's just not high enough, especially with the injuries at quarterback for the bears that we're going to miss that, that we're likely to miss out on a big fantasy outing by not playing Jimmy Graham. Yeah, not a guy I'd go out and drop right now, but you know, kind of like a wait and see situation where I tried not to use him this week. Yeah, Robert Tunyon, I think, has more upside than Jimmy Graham this week, and he's up next. He's got a solid matchup on the other side of that game against the Bears. Chicago's a good defense overall, but we've mentioned it on multiple times on the podcast before. 
the Bears basically defend every other position tougher than they do tight end. So that could help Tunyon's outlook. He did catch all five of his targets last week in a tougher matchup against the Colts, 44 yards and a touchdown in a week. I decided to pick up Irv Smith and play him over Tunyon, of course. Um, three plus catches in three of his past four games. So not terrific volume, but decently involved in an efficient offense. Yeah, and his usage has kind of been back on the rise over the last two weeks after it had been trailing off. So he has nine total targets over his last two games, and he's run a pass route on 71 and then 81% of Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks over those two games. So, you know, if that type of usage continues, you know, he's kind of back in the tight end one mix for us. Yeah, three to five targets with Aaron Rodgers is better than six targets a game for Jimmy Graham with a Bears quarterback. <laughs> yes. Dalton Schultz is a guy who's probably been producing more than most people realize lately at tight end, where it doesn't really take much to make you relevant. Four plus catches in three straight games now, um, four plus catches in four of the five since Dak Prescott went down. The only game in that range where he didn't reach four catches was the first Washington meeting. That's, of course, who they play this week. But that was also the game where Andy Dalton left midway through with a concussion. So kind of tough to switch quarterbacks mid-game and keep things going. Dalton Schultz has been over 90% playing time past three games, and Washington has just been a positive matchup for tight ends on the season. Yep, exactly. And you know, Schultz has four catches in both of Dalton's two full games. He had four catches for 25 yards in a score. Last week he had four catches for 35 yards in Dalton's first full game against Arizona. So you're not, not a lot of upside here. Like, you know, you're, you're going to get like four for 30 or something. You're just kind of hoping for a score from Dalton Schultz. But like you said, uh, matchup's good against Washington. It's an uh, indoor game, obviously, which helps. I'd play Dalton Schultz over Jimmy Graham this week. I just think he's a, a safer bet to get, you know, three, four or five catches. Yeah, I agree with that. Colts tight ends, basically the tight end version of the Dolphins backfield for me, where somebody's probably going to be relevant. I have yeah. no idea who it is. And the only reason we're paying attention is because it's a decent spot. The matchup is positive against the Titans in general. And the wide receiver core and the backfield are weak enough that there's room for multiple tight ends to produce. How are we sorting these guys out? Yeah, I mean, really nice matchup. The Titans are 30th in football outsiders tight end coverage, and they're 29th in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. You know, both Trey Burton and Mo Alley Cox are disappointed in that first matchup, though. Uh, Burton came close to a touchdown. I think he was tackled at like the one or two yard line, but he finished with just three catches for 24 yards. Mo Alley Cox had three catches for 19 yards. And last week, you know, first of all, uh, Jack Doyle returned last week, so that hurt both of those guys because Doyle ran her out on 28% of the dropbacks, but. Mo Cox actually ran more pass routes than Trey Burton did. And Burton saw five targets to Mo Cox's two targets. So you know, those guys are sort of a push to me. You know, they're, they're both risky because, you know, they're halftime players at this point. But again, there's upside in this matchup. Tennessee not good against tight ends. And I just expect the Colts passing game to have success in general. And Mo Cox nearly doubled Trey Burton in playing time against the Packers. Most of that came as a run blocker, though, but he did edge Trey Burton by two routes despite the discrepancy in targets in Burton's favor, as you mentioned. Situation to avoid if possible, but if you're looking down the list, I think there's you know a chance that either of them sees four to five targets, happens to score a touchdown. Uh, again, the matchup is good, and the wide receiver core and the run game help the outlook for both of those guys. Yep. On to the defenses to close things out. Let's go through some streaming options here, Jared. And it's not only the Giants offense that we're playing <laughs> this week, but the Giants defense is suddenly a fantasy option. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Brandon Allen. That's that's it. Giants favorites here, and hopefully Allen drops back 35 or 40 times. The Bengals have the third lowest implied total on the week, you know, despite playing a still pretty bad Giants defense. 
It's Brandon Allen in that one. It's Carson Wentz in the next one that makes the Seahawks worth picking up to play as a fantasy defense. As I mentioned before, though, three plus sacks in four straight games now for Seattle. So they're at least looking up in that uh, important area for team defense. And the Eagles are allowing more sacks than any other team in the league. Four per game, 20 turnovers so far. Cleveland finished last week as the top scoring fantasy defense, despite not having Miles Garrett in the lineup. They were fortunate to get a pick six from Sione Takitaki. But they also had five sacks in that game. They had a safety. They had two other takeaways besides the the pick six. So it's a terrific matchup. You play anyone against Philly right now. Yeah, definitely. And you know, in, like unless you have like the Steelers defense, I would I'd grab Seattle right now. I, I'd, I'd grab Seattle over the Giants and even this next team we'll talk about because after Philly, Seattle gets the Giants, the Jets, and then Washington. They have the Rams in Week 16, so that's not a great spot. But I think you can start the Seahawks for the next four weeks now. Yeah, I agree that that's quite possible. And I mean, you can have the Seahawks allow 24 points. Right. And if they get four sacks and one or two takeaways, they're still a usable fantasy defense. Right. The Packers are the last one that we're going to mention here. They're much more highly owned than either the Seahawks or the Giants. So you might not find them available as an option. But as we've already talked about, they get Chicago this week. And that means they're either going to face Nick Foles or Mitchell Trubisky. We don't know yet because we're going to keep that one a secret. But really, this time, Matt Nagy might not be announcing it because he doesn't know, because both of these guys are also dealing with injuries. I was going to say, it might be Tyler Bray if uh, Trubisky and Foles aren't ready. So it's a good spot for the Packers regardless. The Bears, by the way, have the lowest implied total. The Bears have a lower implied total than the Bengals starting Brandon Allen. So that that tells you something. That absolutely tells you something. The Bears have been the seventh best scoring matchup for fantasy defenses on the year. If it is Tyler Bray, I think the Packers become the best fantasy defense player this week. Yes. That's going to do it for this Week 12 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. See our full Week 12 rankings. Get all the help you need to get your lineup set for any format. You can find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.